Ladies and gentlemen from around the world, welcome back to the Hi, My Name is Mark podcast. My name is Mark Hoppus. <sighs> Making weird sounds in the microphone is my friend James Ingham. Say that, hi, James. That was clearly the audience applauding oh, yeah. around the world. Film before live studio audience, stadium-sized crowd. We are back. Now we're back in the United States. The pause album is pretty much done. James? Pretty much done. Pretty much done. Just finishing some mixed notes, and then uh, we got to find it at home. And then it'll be out for everybody to listen to and enjoy and buy millions of copies of. It's going to be the next Nirvana uh, Nevermind album or Nirvana Wishes, they would be compared. Yeah. Or Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys pales in comparison to the new pause record. Uh, I think that they're fairly qualified as the voice of a generation. Uh, But speaking of voice of a generation, Blink-182 is back in the studio writing, demoing. Uh, James has been there for that as well. Yeah, we got a handful of uh, handful of demo tracks done. Yeah, everybody's playing instruments and singing words and hitting things with sticks, and and, and it's a lot of fun. Hey, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are joined today by actually two friends. Number one is uh, Greg Crayola. I'm doing uh, I'm doing air quotes, uh, which you can see online if you log into our website. Uh, Greg Crayola Simpkins, and also Dylan Anderson, who actually runs Hi, My Name is Mark. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Greg. Hello. Hi. Greg, uh, am, now, are you Crayola right now, or are you Greg Simpkins right now? Uh, who, just just call me Greg. Okay, Greg. Hi, my name is Greg. We'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, how did you get started? You are a street artist turned fine artist remaining in your street artist roots how would you describe yourself i'd prefer graffiti artist over street artist um what's the definite what's the distinction there well it, it's like i always think graffiti kind of came first especially in like the whole everything that we were doing like when 17 18 were spray painting on our names on stuff so we were graffiti artists we weren't so trying to be street artists you're kind of like a hipster of street art no 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 yeah i like that new stuff no the, the, uh, the real graffiti artist no, you know, there's a distinction, and it's it's kind of blurred these days. So it's not like it's not like oh, there's not like a big battle. Like there used to be kind of infighting between like oh, these these kids are get, just getting out of college and they want an art show, so they're going to put a poster up on a wall. Then they're a street artist all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of like graffiti artists were just doing it to communicate with each other. There was no internet back then to like oh, I'm going to post this this thing I just spray painted on the wall and get an art show it was just, you'd go to some dirty place, write your name as cool as you can. And other graffiti guys would come see it and they'd try to do the same. It was kind of almost like a sport. Everybody's trying to show what they could do and, and they would try to get better at it. And then the whole street art thing kind of, it's like a different community, I guess, but it kind of just fuses these days when people say, Oh, you paint on a wall, you're a street artist. And we all never called ourselves street artists. And so it was, it was weird when that stuff started taking coming up and guys would put posters over people's tags that had been up for years, like, like famous, like graffiti writers, they'd put like just little stickers and wheat pastes over like some famous landmarks. And all of a sudden it was just like on people would get in fights and all that kind of stuff. So is it now like if you just throw something up on a wall, you're considered a street artist? I guess. I don't know. I, I, I don't even keep up with it all anymore. When you started, were you spray painting Crayola? What did you? What was the first tag that you did? Um, I was just doing characters at first. Okay. When I was 17, I was just doing characters. And I came up with the name Crayola when I was 18. So that's when I started writing Crayola when I was 18, which I'm 40 now. So that's a, just 22 years ago. Was there an epiphany moment for Crayola, like looking at the uh, I was probably or? sitting in a room full of 
dudes we were probably high at the time just <laughs> going oh yeah and i had like a crayon or a crayola marker with me i'm like that yeah, that'd be cool i can't believe i'm telling you guys this because i never tell anybody like how i came up with the name crayola it's usually like climbing out of a well with crayons in my pocket and climbing out like wolverine or it's <laughs> or it's like fighting gophers with a box of crayons and killing like a mutant alien gopher and he, him but you're just hanging out with your friends yeah just hanging out with my friends and i used to write crumb at the same time so i had two names because crumb was shorter mm-hmm. and so it was cru um, and so I would write that and I would sign it Crayola, which was stupid. Everybody's like, why are you doing that? Just write Crayola. I was like, all right, took the Y out and it was done deal. When did you start the transition from painting on walls to painting on canvas? It was de- actually, well, but let's go way back. When did you first start getting interested in art? If you were already spray painting characters at 17, when did you really start gravitating towards art? Uh, three. Okay. You know, every kid draws and, and colors at three or whatever. Um, I remember a pivotal point. Maybe going forward when my I was supposed to go to preschool, and I just kicked and cried and screamed so hard the whole time. My mom couldn't put up with it and just let me stay home and just would roll out butcher paper every day, throw out a bunch of markers and crayons, and I would just draw every single day when I should be in preschool. And going on from there, that's all I ever did for free time. If if the TV is on, I'm drawing Star Wars characters all over this big piece of wood my dad put out on the ground that I played blocks and Legos on. So it was like Star Wars characters, G.I. Joe characters, you know, Popeye, Woody Woodpecker. I would just draw everything I'd see on cartoons. And I don't remember not doing that. It was always my free time. So. And when did you start painting on canvas? Canvas came years later. I mean, I had to do it, you know, starting, you know, art school, which was just junior college art classes. And, you know, they would work on canvases. I was painting in oils back then, and I didn't really like it that much. I was more into pencil rendering and marker rendering and some watercolor. And then it was, I went all the way through college just getting away with doing my projects like that. And it wasn't until years later working with a bunch of guys that I did graffiti with that my buddy Axis from the CBS crew, one of the crews I'm in, sat me down and said, this is how you should be painting. Use, you know, acrylics. Here's gesso. This is how you, you prime your surface. These are the reasons you're having a hard time because you're not painting like this or using these tools. And he just kind of set me straight. And the second painting with brushes, like, sunk in, it opened my eyes to a whole new world, and I just haven't stopped. Did you ever have any, like, formal training or instruction or anything like that yeah i was in illustration um the illustration department and switched to studio art at long beach state but the entire time i was getting away with just doing marker and pencil renderings and watercolor i didn't do any any acrylic paintings i didn't do and i was spray painting a ton on the side like every every weekend and during the week we would go out and be painting melrose compton central up and down the coast from san diego to san francisco it was kind of like all right, I got this whole weekend off, and I, I I ditched all my my shifts at work. Let's go to let's go to San Jose and go paint trains, or let's go let's go down to San Diego. There's a, a graffiti jam under some bridge, so it was just figuring out where I could go spray paint walls with friends. It sounds like the street art crew is kind of similar to uh, like groups of friends skateboarding. Like you would hear about a pool or a curb or a wall or somewhere like that. And everyone would get together on the weekends and go and and check it out. Is that kind of the same vibe? I feel like my part of it is just like that. Like my whole growing up was with guys who were skate, I was skateboarding with and Mm -hmm. they were tagging on walls. 
And that's why I got into it. And then it kind of evolved from there. Cause then you start meeting people at different yards that you painted. Like we'd be, we'd be skating the old Venice pavilion and, and we'd be spray painting at the same time. We see some other guys there skating and spray painting. People go, hey, what's up? You want to go paint this or you want to go skate this? And then it just became, oh, let's go here. And then you meet other dudes. Maybe they weren't into skating. They were just really hardcore into the art part. And I would gravitate towards that because I sucked at skating. <laughs> I still skate, but I always hurt myself. So, um, it was just like, okay, I'm good at that. I'm going to stick with that. And I just kept trying to get better at it. So, When did art start to become something that you were doing for a living, that you were making money from? Gosh. Oh, by the way, have you ever been arrested? Never been arrested. I've been caught many times and let go every single time. Why? Because it's I'd paint really shady spots that nobody really cared about. Okay. And the one time I really got caught and I got slammed into a, a cop car, busted my nose and all that stuff. I wasn't even painting. It was, I was taking pictures of something I painted the day before. So, <laughs> and then they found all my stuff in my backpack, photos and all that. And I was with the, these guys I was in a band with at that time. And they were just so pissed at me. Like, oh, you stupid tagger. Why do you have all this stuff? I'm like, don't call me a tagger all that stuff. But it was... Uh, Is tagger a... Uh, uh, I don't know. Nobody uses Pejorative it. term? I guess. Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. Why? It's just dismissive of the... Yeah, we usually call each other writers. Okay. Yeah. So that's... The general term is a writer. Okay. Yeah. Is there like a holy grail to get your name on something? Like Yeah, like I mean there's guys whale. there's there's guys who take it to really awesome extreme, you know, billboards, freeway overpass, you know, bridges and stuff like that. That's the big points right there. So I, I've painted freeways, but I've never done over like the billboards themselves. So I'm kind of I don't get those points. So okay. and there's I, a point system. I, I no, nah, there's not a point system, but it's just fun to pretend. You know, Do you, uh, are you involved in that scene at all anymore? Yeah, I still am. Is it changed considerably since when you started? Yeah, it's it's a lot different. It seems to be like a lot more visible. Certainly. Yeah, it's it's just gotten a lot of traction, which is crazy. Like we didn't expect, we weren't ever expected to be like cool to be like a graffiti writer. You kind of kept it hidden. You didn't like tell your 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 family, friends, and all that kind of stuff. You try not to to look like a writer after a while. You just wanted to blend in so you can do your work and get it done. And then with the internet changed everything, you know, it started like exposing, oh, this person's doing this, this person's doing that. And I don't know, it's it's way different now. Like I said, it's just, it was a conversation between other writers just painting it, a yard. Is it still that, you think? I think there's a lot of that still. There's there's still like especially if you really are into letters, like I, I really still love painting letters and I'll do it just because I wanna you know it's a comment maybe from one of my other favorite writers. Hey look, I did these you know, what do you think about this wall? And they'll say, That's awesome. Whereas most the general mainstream are gonna be like, I don't get it. Why are you painting your name on a wall? They don't get it and I'm fine that they don't get it because it's still fun to keep between friends. When did you start making money from art? Oh gosh, I was eighteen. Okay. My first real art job, um, my buddy, uh, Mark Vidal, who goes by Earl Liberty, he's in the Circle Jerks. Um, we just knew him as a family friend growing up, and he uh, had a job at a baseball card company called Ted Williams Card Company. It was down near San Diego, and he needed some designs drawn up for this kid's game called Pogs. Oh, Pogs. Uh, yeah. And so he's like, well, you draw all these city backdrops and all these characters. I'm like, sure. So I went and I stayed at his apartment for two weeks with him. And just while he was at work all day, I'd just sit on the ground with my markers and pencils and draw up all these street scenes and then all these characters separately that he could take to work, Photoshop together and put the pieces together and make these things called street caps, which were came out in all these Walmart stores or whatever. But for me, it was like 
validating to my parents like look i can make money it was like a ten thousand dollar job for like first paying job then after that was just like tons of t-shirts some scrape skateboard graphics lots of stuff for the bands in my neighborhoods and stuff like that and then slowly getting more and more into t-shirt graphics which became my first like in-house illustration job and i you know the place i i worked at and we were you're making fun the of place me. that no. shall not be named yeah the place that shall not be named well that's how i first met you is uh when we started atticus you were one of the first artists that did t-shirt designs with us i actually that's where it's a little mistake i don't know if i did i didn't do t-shirt designs with you guys it was you know remember jamie tellerico yeah so he was a good friend of mine and he came and did a photo shoot with me. Oh, okay. That's that what it, it was. Okay. It was the photo shoot. And it was like, oh, you you wanted me to put these clothes on, take pictures? I'm like, sure, okay. And I thought it was really cool because I already wore some Atticus mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like stoked. I'm like, do you want me to do any graphics? Like, oh, I got it covered. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's cool. But so we barred you. No, you didn't bar me. I think he, he like, I, I don't know. But I was uh, I was just stoked to be in the in the magazine that they was interested in having me in it because it was like Taking Back Sunday was in that one mm-hmm. and so was uh, Motion City Soundtrack. So right. it was like, oh, I listened to those bands. It was kind of cool to be in the same catalog with those dudes. So uh, it was a good showcase. So how did you transition from being a vandal, a street vandal, <laughs> into being in galleries? Gosh, um, that, that, that was a, a weird thing. I, I remember I was working in video games at that point and what how did we're doing what in video games i was a texture artist for tony hawk's pro skater 2x and then a bunch of spider-man games kelly slater pro surfer uh sean palmer pro snowboarder 2 which never came out which was the best snowboarding game i've ever played and it it didn't come out because ssx tricky came out at the same time so they booted this game we worked on for two years oh wow but anyways i was doing rocks and snow all day so that it, it was good uh it was, it was a how, good, do you, how do you draw snow? How do you draw snow? Well, it's, it's all Photoshop, like like making textures. Is it difficult transitioning from drawing and magic markers and, and paint to working in Photoshop and Illustrator? Nah, for me, I, I, I was using Photoshop and Illustrator since I was like 17 or 18 also. Mm. I, I taught myself to do it to make slap tags for stickers to slap up on walls. So it, that was everything started with graffiti and started filtering into everything else. So I'd already gone through my job at, at the hated Jinko Jeans um, with all the awesome artists that worked there who were able to bring me on board at Treyarch, which got bought by Activision. So I was at Activision um, working all day, long hours. Afterwards, I would go to the tattoo shop and hang out with my friends at these tattoo shop, Big Daddies in Harbor City. We'd hang out and they'd talk me into doing paintings and stuff. And I'm like, awesome. So we, I'd work on paintings at night over there or at home. So I was painting and working, painting and working. And... I got this uh, two emails one day, one from Jensen, our friend Jensen Carp at Gallery 1988. Yep. And I had never met him at that point. And one from Upper Playground, which was, uh, they have a gallery called 5024SF in San Francisco. And I'd been following them for years because of Mike Giant and Jeremy Fish and all these other artists I look up to. And they both asked me to do a show. And I was like, holy crap. You know, I've been thinking about showing and I've been showing at some smaller graffiti um, venues around town. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, more legit. And when I had a meeting with Jensen, he's like, I think he could probably do this for a living. I'm like, I don't think that's even a possible job, really, is it? And he's like, no, it could be. Just, you know, do this one show and let's see what happens from there. And it was a group show called I Am 8-Bit. And I did this painting called Pac-Man in Hospice, which was like an old dying Pac-Man, which I was doing it at the same time because my grandfather was in, ho- in hospice. So it was kind of like, I'm doing this for my grandpa, kind of, but it's really tongue-in-cheek and playful, the painting was. Mm-hmm. And... um 
the painting sold before the opening and Jensen's like, oh man, you got such a buzz from this. Let's sit, set up your next show. And the shows kept selling out after that. And I had my show in San Francisco with my buddy Coffee and everything there sold. And just like this, this snowball started happening. And my wife, who's a brilliant business mind, set up a plan for me to be able to quit my job in video games. We'd bankrolled enough money from previous jobs, and I had just did a, a gig for Vans that gave me a nice bit to put away. And so we put everything away and said, all right, we have this much time to see if it works, and if it doesn't, we'll go back to video games. I gave them two months' notice so they would love me and not hate me so I could go back if I needed to. And I've been painting, just painting for the last 10 years since that. That's awesome. Yeah. What kind of work ethic do you think someone has to have? Because I see, I follow your Instagram, obviously. I see you working constantly, constantly, constantly. Is there a set schedule that you set for yourself? Because as an artist, you kind of have to self-start, don't you think? Yeah, but I, I think it's just from, I've been working since I was 12. Um, I was a janitor for a couple of years and I washed dogs. I worked I, at pizza, you know, pizza's place. And all these jobs I've done, like some of them I definitely would never want to do again. Like, what was your favorite Oh, oh, washing dogs was fun. Yeah. Like, delivering pizzas was ultimately the best. Yeah. Why? Ever. How so? It's just because like sometimes you'd meet some cute girls when you deliver the pizzas and it was just fun hanging out at the pizza shop. But it what was, was the worst. Gosh, being a janitor sucked, but it wasn't the worst. Sometimes waiting tables could be the worst. Oh, I, I loved waiting tables. It was the best as far as meeting people, hanging out, making friends. It was the worst when you'd get you'd start your shift and it would be slammed and you'd be the only waiter on. And it would just, I'd have nightmares that would be the only waiter at Chili's. Sorry, I worked at Chili's. And that I was just getting sat after sat after sat and mm -hmm. I couldn't keep all my people happy. So I would just wake up in sweats at night thinking I was the only waiter on. I had the exact same nightmare for 10 years after I waited tables. <laughs> that so the food wasn't coming out and I would forget people's drink orders and, and then somebody it. was asking for their check and I had no idea where their check was. Yep. I think it's common amongst all... Uh, Waiters and waitresses, right? It is. It's probably the common nightmare. I, I, I get an anxiety dream similar to that now, but those were the worst. But it, I don't know. Do I always tables, Dylan. I actually refused the promotion to become a waiter. Really? Why? Busing is so much easier. There's none of the stuff that you guys are talking about. You don't have to worry <laughs> about any of that. You just clear the table. You bring water. So this bodes well for your clothing company, Mark. Dylan shirks responsibility. <laughs> I want the easiest job. Well, it was a smart decision. You got paid basically the same. They still had to split tips with yeah, you and stuff. Yeah, they had to tip you out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You had to leave early too, usually. And you're kind of the hero because you're cleaning up after people, giving people water. Not the, There's none of the uh, expectation of no, a waiter. No. You go just a little bit above and beyond and you're a hero. Like you brought butter and they're like, oh, our waiter, we've asked him three times. <laughs> <laughs> what inspires you to create? Because your paintings and your art is all very different. Do you, for instance, in the, in the studio that we're talking right now, I have one of your paintings and there is an octopus mixed with an orca mixed with a fish in a bowl mixed with a mallard duck and behind it there's a gigantic octopus. I remember when I was working on that piece and that whole series, it came after a trip to Hawaii where I was out there snorkeling all day with all these rad fish. And then I came upstairs and I was hanging out in the room. And I was watching a show about Yellowstone and about and I, and I started showing all the birds and the butterflies and all these beautiful creatures. I'm like, how come these animals can never interact? They'll never see each other. This is two like areas in life where this bunch of beauty up here exists and this beauty down here exists and they're never going to interact. So I just started doing all these 
things where, where fish and birds meet up and butterflies and other kinds of beautiful fish with everything with colors like that. Lots of, um, sea slugs and nudibranchs and all those kind of things mm-hmm. just start interacting and becoming sometimes singular characters. And, um, I just would let it go from there too. I'd start drawing that stuff together and then my mind would take it in other places. Sometimes, sometimes there's pieces of couch like coming off of the top of yeah. the orca in there, which that has to do more with me growing up and hanging out at my grandparents' house. Just images just start flashing in my head while I'm sketching. I'm like, oh, that shape looks like this. And I'll start drawing it in there. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool if it went this way. And a lot of it starts going free form, kind of like drawing graffiti letters. Like once I start getting the idea down, I'm like, ah, oh, but what if this was in there? And I'm like, instead of stopping myself and saying, oh no, you can't do that. I'm like, wait, there's no rules. It's art. I'm going to make whatever I want out of this and just start letting it go where it goes. How often do you incorporate elements of your graffiti into the fine art? And do you see, do you, do you even see a distinction between the two? There's a definite distinction between it. Um, I will, I will hint at it in my fine art. I will, um, a lot of times I'll put my crew, um, spell outs in there like WAI or CBS or Lords now, and I'll, I'll sneak those in there so people have to find them or I'll, I'll, I'll hide my name in the piece somewhere so people have to look for it and find it. Um, it's just kind of like, a shout out to where it all came from. I don't know. I, for me, I just feel like it needs to be in there. And it, not every piece, but a lot of them have it like hidden in there. But there's definitely a difference. And there's a different feel towards approaching both. Like when I'm done with a bunch of paintings at, in the studio, I want to go out and just go paint a wall with my friends. It's like, oh, I miss being outside. I miss seeing these dudes or these people. I want to go paint. And so call somebody up and try to figure out a wall and see if I have time to paint it is usually what happens after. and you get commissioned to paint a lot of walls now no I, I we do but we don't we don't or invited ta- maybe it's not commissioned yeah. maybe the right word is invited yeah we do we don't we, we're not able to do it all i say we because my wife usually schedules it and she's like oh no you got to finish these canvases here you got to finish these here so i'm on a pretty tight schedule i mean i get up and start painting at about 7 30 in the morning after a jog get the kids fed and then i'm in the studio working until about six seven and six or seven every single day so and it's and it's because we have a set schedule and we have definite things I need to, to get done on my deadline that I'm not able to paint as many walls as I used to, or as I'd like to. How do you uh, keep yourself challenged? Like in terms of like your style and stuff like that? Cause you're obviously not the exact same artist you were now that you were 10 years ago, you know? Um, I, I like to, to look at a lot of the old masters. Sometimes I like to go up to the Getty and just sit and, 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 and punch myself in the face at how much I suck at painting. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, I just, I'm glad you said it. Cause I mean, yeah. yeah, no, it's just a good, it's just a good reminder. There's so far to go to get to where I want to be. It's like, I'm not even close. I feel like I'm just beginning. Do you have this like vision in your head of like where you want to be in? Yeah. I, I really, really want to be able to take out big 16 foot masterpieces. Like it just, like Emmanuel Lutz, who did like Washington on the Potomac, that huge gigantic yeah. painting, just everything, all the texture in it, the way the the icebergs are lit, just the way they're lit, and it's darker here because the lights behind them, just all these little intricate things. Like oh, I got to work on that aspect. I got to work on lighting. I got to work on you know, you know, his skin might be that color, but it's really greener because all this other lights hitting him, and that those painters understood that back then. So I'm trying to teach myself. You know color and light and how all that stuff works together and that stuff's really important to me and it's just tons of t- 
tons to go still. So you're definitely going to suggest to any up and coming artists go study study the masters. Yeah, study the masters. There's yeah, they 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 knew a lot. So yeah, it's pretty much that's the most inspiring thing. When you walk around, do you look at things and and look at how they're lit and look think about how you would paint it and yeah. think about how you would incorporate that into something that you were creating all day? Yeah, I can't drive without looking at things. Going, oh, okay, ah, oh, crap. Where's my sketchbook? I always have this thing around. I'm like, yep, I got my sketchbook. I can take a note. Go pull my car over. I like when I got here, I had to pull over outside for a few minutes and was writing down some notes. So, it, like, I always see something. I'm like, oh, that would be cool. Or look. See the way that curves, see the way the light hit that? That wasn't like a highlight all the way down. It was like a small spot. Just weird, nerdy stuff. And can you look at other people's art and appreciate it just as art? Or do you look at it as uh, as an artist yourself dissecting their process and their technique? That sucks for me because when I do go to galleries and museums, like I really dissect te- technique because that's so exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend, if, if I'm going to enjoy art, I tend to enjoy abstract stuff. I really love abstract art more than stuff in my genre, which I love stuff in my genre, but I'm I'm sitting there dissecting it the whole time instead of standing back and just going, oh, that's such a beautiful piece. And there's so many great artists that I love in my genre. And, and sometimes I just, I, I, I purposely don't go look at their art because I don't want it to influence me too. <laughs> and so, because yeah, I hate hearing like, oh, this looks like so-and-so's. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm really not trying for that. Maybe we're just influenced by the same stuff at the same time. You know, it's a good friend of mine or this, that, and the other. I'm like, damn it, I really got to not look at my friend's artwork. And it sucks because I love their work. And then that's just the whole like in inner conversation I have with all the demons in my head. Like, yeah. yeah. But all different movements have influence one another if you look at the writers in the 20s or if you look at the beat movement or if you look at pop art or anything else all all these artists and creators all had a conversation with one another and influenced one another and pulled different elements of you know even in music there's all pop punk or old school punk or hip-hop or anything there's always artists pulling from one another and using that you shouldn't really be afraid of that no that's true i just can there's, i talk you through this right now please help me out <laughs> what do i do in this situation no, it, you're right. I th- and there's points where I, obviously we do share a common vocabulary with the stuff that we do, but um, it's uh, yeah. There's Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi. How you doing? Hi, it's Robert. Robert podcast. Podcasting. Yeah, we're podcasting. Oh. What you got there? Guitar. Yeah, you could say that. You want to do the honors? What you open it? You're standing right there, or I'll help you open it. Oh, what's that? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that came out great, man. That's so rad. How'd this happen? Speaking of weird octopi, this one actually has honeycombs in his head. <laughs> this is so rad. What's so okay? Wait, wait. What's happening right now? I don't fully understand. <laughs> you got set up, man. Yeah. Guy and I were trying to do something for your birthday a while back, right? And, after. Uh, but Greg had a big show that he was working on, so he couldn't do anything then. So we're like, "All right, when you have time, we'll work on something." So it's oh, been in the no. work for for months, and uh, yeah, Robert just finished it today. So that's your birthday present it. from yeah. these two over here. That's awesome! Thank and, you so uh, much. To anybody listening, what has happened is uh, Greg uh, has custom painted uh, this awesome bass guitar. For Mark. This is incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. That was a very fun piece to paint. I had posted a snippet of it. I had hoped that you never saw it on Instagram because, oh. yeah, because you could, could see the bee on like a, a octopus. So 
I know that people always draw. I've done drawings of bees and stuff for you. So I was like, oh, man, I hope he doesn't catch on to what this could be. Wow, I got set up. This is <laughs> <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> You're going to be on the podcast all the time now. <laughs> this is really cool. Thank you very much. On a scale yeah. of one to ten, how surprised are you? Uh, totally. A ten. Totally. That's no awesome. idea. That's just great. That's we, awesome. all we all knew. We all knew, Mark. We all knew. So cool. All right, we're just going to interject here. This is Robert. Hello. Robert, uh, you've been on podcasts before. Yes. Blink-182, guitar, bass tech. You work with Pharrell. Who else do you work with right now? System of a Down. System of a Down. Chavo. Mm -hmm. I'm like the bass guy now, I guess. I don't know how that happened. But you do guitar for Pharrell, yeah? And bass. Oh, and bass both. Yeah, stage left and stage right. All right, good for you. You got two jobs. All right, so uh, explain the bass to me, because now I'm just getting more information about... Okay, so they hit me up about doing the bass. So I called uh, Mike, our guy at Fender, and uh, asked for the body. It had, it had to be all super down low, you know? And, uh, but I have wanted the pickups routed to be like your pickups on your regular signature bass. So the P bass pickups are flopped like on your regular one, on your regular signature bass. So I didn't notice that. I, yeah. That's crazy. And also look, it's a single volume knob. It's, it's your exact setup, but on a Jaguar bass. The only thing that I couldn't fix was that they had already routed the bridge pickup for like a jazz bass, like yeah. a regular Jaguar. So I couldn't do anything about that. So that pickup is a dummy, actually, that's in there. So this one's just not hooked up at all? Correct. Okay. But we could actually hook it up. And I actually thought about doing a, a blend knob. So if you pull the volume all the way back, it would be the bridge. And if it was centered, like a clicking point, it would be both pickups. Or you could turn it all the way up and just have your regular pickup. Okay. But who knows? Uh, and then, so I got the body to Greg, and he painted it. And uh, I kept trying to explain to uh, the guys that how, how I needed the, um, the pickguard cut. Because the fender? Yeah, because the regular uh, Jaguar bass has the metal horns where the, you know, where the switches are. Yes. And then the, the metal plate on the back where the volume and tone knobs are at. So uh, that didn't work for your setup. So th <laughs> it was kind of like I would send emails and it was kind of like, what? Like, I don't get it. And finally, we, uh, we looped in Alex from Fender, who is your old A&R guy. Original. And, yeah, original guy who built all your prototypes and everything. And uh, we p looped him in, and then I sent him an email, and he was kind of like, I'm not really getting what you're saying. Maybe I just, I'm horrible at emails. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I brought the body to him. I went to Fender, drove out to Corona, took it to him, and showed it to him, and he, he got it right away, obviously. And uh, he went and cut that pick guard, for us wow. right there and a couple days later i came and picked it up and then he was cool enough to pretty much assemble everything in the custom shop so the bridge all the most of the electronics the neck was all done by alex and then so i got it back and i went to my work box to get you some uh, quarter pounder pickups which is your pickups and i had no covers i was completely out of covers what do you mean covers? Uh, so on the pickup, there's a, it's a shell that goes over the pickup. Oh, okay. So I was all out of those. Normally, if I switch out your pickups, I just use the same shell. Oh, okay. I understand. Ones. So um, I, I was like, this thing's got to be done. Like, this was like last week. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I, I, have, I don't have these. So I hit, up, I hit Alex up, and he's like, oh, I have, a I have a pair in my drawer. He overnighted them to me. I got them on Friday morning. All of my tools are in Italy. 
because of Pharrell. Okay. So I had to go use Maddie's shop. Maddie, again, who has made custom stuff for us in the past. Yep. Um, makes the sig fiddles and whatnot. And he, uh, he was closed on Monday. And they're like, dude, <laughs> Dylan's like, we need that thing like on Tuesday. I'm like, okay, uh, it can happen. So I went and picked up the bass. I had it over at our storage, grabbed it, went to Maddie's. Traffic was shit today. Crap, sorry. And, uh, and then he just, uh, he did the soldering for me while we just were talking as I was trying to get this done. Cased it up, drove over the hill, and there so you go. So this was all just soldered this morning? It was just finished like a, an hour ago. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And when did you finish the painting, Greg? A while ago. Um, yeah, a little while ago. How many months? Well, because I, I left. I went back on tour. Yeah. I started it right after my show because I, like, I did the charity base mm -hmm. for you guys. Um, for that music and then and then dylan said oh he really likes that that guitar so much you know maybe we could do one for his birthday i'm like when's his birthday is it april i'm like oh, i got my solo show so i i'm like get me the the bass body afterwards and I'll, I'll definitely do it make it a belated birthday present or something like that and i just waited till right 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 after my show was done wow i, I painted it and i drew it on painted it a few days maybe three days and then that's insane. So Alex built this, made the parts. He, he yeah, cut the pit guard and threw the neck on and the bridge. Uh, Maddie soldered the, uh, your, the active pickups that are in there. Well, not active, but the pickups that are being used. Maddie did like an hour ago. That's insane. Thank yeah. you guys so much. This is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> that's right. I'm so, I'm so stoked on it. Yeah, the sad thing is... I'm never going to play it. I'm just going to hang it on a place of prominence. I put a ton of uh, exterior varnish on it, so it's super secure, too. Oh, really? If you ever tried to play it, it probably won't chip. But okay. If, you know, don't play it, hang it, whatever. But if something ever happens to it, I could touch it up. It's like, I'm not that far away. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh... Okay, so getting back on track, after kind of uh, circling one another in orbit for the past decade, now we've worked on a project together. That's right. You, me, uh, James, and some of your friends, and can you, you can tell everybody about this. Yeah, we, um, we put together a five-minute short called I'm Scared, and it's a story that I've been writing for my sons about all the things you're supposed to be scared of when you go to bed, because there's plenty of things to be scared of, and so I try to scare them at night before they go to sleep. That's really fun until they sleep have to sleep in my bed. But anyways, um, we had just finished two years on it, and um, thank goodness you guys were around and wanted to score it, and were able to score it, and um, blessed us with an amazing um, soundtrack, basically to to the our short movie. So um, that's a big thank you to both of you guys. It's uh, it came out really good. With, oh, thanks, yeah. thanks for having us. We we're stoked to do it. Yeah. So, I think it turned out really well. Yeah. These are characters that you uh, drew also. Yeah, it's basically my white knight character, Ralph, as a little boy. And it, and he's uh, his little brother, Crumbs. He's walking him around the room and showing him all these monsters to be scared of. So I wrote the story, a lot of it with my son. We re-edited it, me, Dan Levy, and um, Pete Levin. Levine, Levin, Levin. I'm going to say it every single way so I don't get <laughs> so I get it right. But I love those guys. They came up with the idea to do a stop motion project with me. We did a Kickstarter. It went through. Thank you for helping out with the Kickstarter too. Of course. Man. Yeah. And it uh, it's just been an amazing thing that I never thought would happen. I'm always skeptical until something's done. I'm never like, oh, this is going to happen. It's like, 
no, it's never going to happen, but I'm going to put my best foot forward to, to see that it does. And if it happens, I'm going to be stoked and I'm stoked right now. I, I, every morning I show my kids the cartoon. They, my youngest sat on my lap this morning, put on scary, daddy, put on scary. I'm like, all right, sit down, let's watch it. And uh, he sits and says all the words to it. I think we're both pretty uh, honored that you had us do it too. Because uh, doing uh, scoring stuff is an interest of both of ours. And this is such a cool project. And like, because, you know, uh, you, you guys had sent over Mark a cut. Yeah. Of it first, and it just looked so good. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Like, I'm all glad. the characters are really cool, and the the animation team did a really great job. Oh, the team! That I, I can't believe the team we had for this. They're so amazing. I got to watch the process as it unfolded, and it, it's more about what they did than I did. I still think it, they it wouldn't nothing would have came together with just a bunch of drawings. It, it took a whole team to make it go together. So, and there's like so much story after the fact too that we're working on so hopefully uh some of the things fall in line that we've been talking with some people and we'll see what goes from there you're involved way more than just painting and drawing and things like that there's you do uh figurines you have the book coming out for i'm scared you're curating exhibits there's something you did in long beach yeah yeah well i'm working on a show not curated but um i was a part of this big um uh, street art and graffiti show in Long Beach Museum of Art called Vitality and Verve. And then um, it was part of the powwow show that travels from Hawaii to like Japan to um, Tokyo and, and all over the world. And I was able to paint a big installation inside the museum alongside of a bunch of amazing artists. And next week, um, we get to say goodbye to our installations and they're going to have a closing reception, which is going to be a big party. Um, they're going to show the video of the whole thing getting made and painted that my buddy Jordan Ahern made. And um, I get to go and start painting over my piece in front of everybody. So you're going to paint over the work that you've already done? That's right. Yeah. So it's going to say goodbye because it, it's on the wall. Mm -hmm. So it's not meant to stay. So And people have been so bummed like, oh, it's going to go. We can't, why can't we just cut it from the wall? I'm like, you can't do it. It was never meant to be a permanent piece, which is what you know, like same with graffiti. It's like, it gets gone over. And if it's, if it's on the street, it's pretty awesome. If it's lasted a long time, you know? So, but in a museum, it's going to be gone. Uh, kind of random question. Is that sort of seen in like the, in the graffiti world? Like if somebody does a piece that's like so cool that people just leave it alone, then that's just kind of like a badge of honor. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Like, I remember when we've had pieces running in like spots that get gone over every day, like Venice beach or something like that. We had a piece run for like five weeks or more me and my buddy work and we were like oh it's still up you gotta be kidding it's still up couple tags on it here and there then finally it gets gone over but it was like you know if you get some good street spots like in la or someplace and it just rolls for a long but time but this place in long beach that was a commission oh it was or? um it, it's like you get invited to be in a museum show you say yes thank yeah. you you know so it was um it was uh an exhibit that was like four months long and i think they extended it to five or it was three months long exhibit and it got such good feedback that they extended it to four it was the biggest show they've ever had at that museum so it, it went really well for them i've been just stoked on everything that's happened from it it's a good show all right and finally what is your dream wall oh god if you could paint anywhere in the world have a wall anywhere in the world would you go important wall such as great wall of china would you go somewhere gosh i i just had to i missed out on a couple walls i would have really loved to painted in tokyo and and japan and taipan i was supposed to go for powwow and just conflicts of schedule so i i would love to just kind of 
tour the world and do a small wall here and there. I don't know. I've had big walls thrown at me. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do a wall that big, but I don't know. That's a hard, that's a hard question to answer. Do you feel more pressure when you do something uh, underneath a railroad track or, or in a museum? No, uh, a museum more pressure for sure. Yeah. But these days I'm not going to go do something under a railroad track. I got to, I got to clear this up before, after saying all this other stuff about creating, I haven't done any illegal graffiti within the past Eight, nine years, like before, right before my kid was born. You're a tremendous liar. No, no, <laughs> it's true. Like I and and if it was anything before that, for many years, it was really cutty spots that I'm. I I I made a point at one. I made a decision at one point that I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna be super destructive. I'm gonna and and that was just my own decision. I have nothing wrong with see nothing wrong with my peers and my friends going out and painting billboards. I, I understand the reasoning behind it and I back them, but it's. I, I haven't done anything that's going to get me in a lot of trouble for many years just because of the family and, and you know, I, I support them, my wife, it, it's all on my shoulders, so I'm not doing anything that's going to get me in the kind of trouble. So at this point, it's just style writing. I'm, I'm going out. We get permission, no matter, you know, a bunch of real cutty spots still, but we'll, you know, I, I just like to go paint with my friends and, and keep that part of me alive, you know. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been good work with you, and it's super. Thank you very much for this base. This is incredible. <laughs> awesome. I've been spending the past ten minutes thinking about where we're gonna hang it in the house, and <laughs> what a place of honor. And uh, I think it's gonna have to replace a lot of photos of my son. <laughs> no, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, and good luck with everything. No, thank you. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.